good? Pea and ham soup. Does that, who likes pea and ham soup here? Okay. Now I'm going to ask a question. I'm nervous to ask this question. My grandma made pea and ham soup and it was the worst. But I've heard a rumour. It's a wonderful South African woman that's made this pea and ham soup. See, my mum's from England. They don't know how to make pea and ham soup. But in South Africa, they've got it covered. So here's what I'm willing to do tonight. I swore to myself I would never taste pea and ham soup again. Like I'd rather starve. But tonight I'm going to break a vow I made to the Lord. And I'm going to taste that pea and ham soup. Can we, can we sell out that pea and ham soup tonight? Can that be the, the first thing that goes? And if you don't like it, there's pumpkin, okay, butter and pumpkins like, you know, for, for all the normal people. But anyway, it's going to be amazing. Do you love Pastor Mark and Nina? Aren't they awesome? They're great. Oh, you guys are good. Grab your seats. We're here. Let's get into this. It is great to see you. And uh, thanks for letting me be with you. Um, I've been here, probably preached more in this church than I've probably preached in any other church than our, our own. And, and uh, it feels like family. And it was an honor to minister this morning and to minister again tonight. Uh, really quick. Uh, um, hello, Josh. And uh, I'm 41. I'm an Adelaide boy. I'm actually from the church Pastor Mark and Nina grew up in. And uh, I feel like there's an extra measure of anointing because of them there. And, uh, you know, whenever Pastor Mark and Nina walk back in the church, everyone goes to them and I realize, oh, they're still loved more than I am. And so that's, so that's good. Am I insecure? Yep. And uh, uh, I've got beautiful wife, her name is Jana. She preached here last year, actually, for the women's conference and uh, uh, naturopath, rem- uh, remedial massage therapist, pastor, and cute as heck. Um, got two boys, Geordie and Jackson. My oldest is 12. He's nearly a teenager. We actually just had a significant breakthrough in the last week. Hey, we've been praying and having the intercessors pray for him because um, he he cut off his mullet, and uh, it was a big moment, and uh, it's pretty good. My youngest, little man bun, little cutie. Anyway, fantastic. Let's go. Mullets are in. Are they, though? Okay, I'm going to get straight into it. Um, our, our theme this year is we're believing for, John 15 talks about we'll have fruit, more fruit. You got it. Most of you had it. A couple of you faked it. But well done. That's pretty good. Uh, And this key part of this verse, whenever Jesus talks about fruit, he continually says you need to abide. Everyone say abide. Abide or remain. And I have this thought as I pass Pastor Mark where the theme is this year, and I love where the theme is. And I kind of went and asked the Holy Spirit what to share around the theme. Uh, I believe you cannot have supernatural fruit without a strong prayer life. I've actually never seen someone, I've seen people have success with good work ethic, lots of talent and a bit of grit, but to see the more fruit, much fruit and everlasting fruit that gives glory to God, I've actually never seen people have that without strong prayer. And if I'm honest, sometimes when we talk about prayer, and this would be the same in my church too, sometimes we don't know how to feel because we actually, most of us actually want to have a better prayer life. And if I were to survey most Christians and say, if there was an area of your life you would love to grow in, what would it be? Most people would probably say, I would love to grow my prayer. So if we want to have fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and everlasting fruit, this morning I talked about the fact that God gives you dreams and visions. However, I want to now give you another key that God gives you, and that is the grace and gift to pray. But because so many people actually not struggle with prayer, 
but wish they could be more effective in prayer. Can I give you, I'll give you, I want to give you three quick tips around prayer, but really I'm giving the first two just to get to the third, which I want to be my focus. Is that okay? I just want to go straight in to help you tonight. So uh, number one, uh, if, if you want to have more effective prayer, I think begin, prayer can be short and simple. Sometimes we don't pray because we're hoping to get to a point where our prayer, we have enough time to really be able to get into the deep end and spend, I need to get to a place of half an hour of prayer, an hour of prayer. Uh, in, in a season, I'm going to get into prayer and fasting, and that's when I'm going to break through. And sometimes we don't. Can I say, uh, uh, I, I often have, I sometimes have long, deep conversations with my wife, but more often they're short and simple conversations. I more often than not, have smaller conversations at a regular basis than waiting for the perfect opportunity at date night. Okay, some of us are waiting to have uh, uh, the opportunity to improve our prayer life and time doesn't avail us that, so we end up not praying at all or hardly at all. I want to just release you tonight. Prayer can be short and simple. That allows you then to, in certain times, have deeper, longer times with God. Number two, prayer should be never ceasing. That feels like it's the opposite to the fact that prayer should be short and simple. What I mean by prayer should be never ceasing is sometimes, again, we're waiting for the perfect moment every day to pray because we're looking for this extended time where, where, where I can just have me and God. And I believe in that and I, and I do that. However, I find more often than not, my prayer life wake, starts with, I wake up in the morning and instead of grabbing my phone to look at Instagram, hoping something's changed in the world, but it hasn't, uh, I, I, I try to stop and, and say, okay, God, before I go into my day, I need you to bless me. I, I need you to help me to see others. I need you to help me to be a good dad and a good husband. I pray, I hear your voice through my day. As I go into my day, now be with me. And then I, then I go have a shower. And then I and open the Word. And before I open the Word, it's, hey, God, you wrote this. Holy Spirit, you inspired this. So as I, as I read the Word today, I pray that it wouldn't just be reading. I pray you'd speak to me. Just have something jump and, and, and just change how I see you and see others today. Amen. I then take my kids in the car and I drive them to school. And I'm like, boys, before we get out of the car, what do we do? We pray. And, uh, and so, God, I just pray you bless my kids. Help them to have a great day. Help them to not get detention this week. And help them to be a good friend. Help them in their study. Help them in their sport in Jesus' name. I then pull into the car park at church, which is my work, and I pray, God, okay, I've got a big day. I need your grace. I need your help. I need your anointing. I need your peace. I need your patience. Give me wisdom as I go. So today I have a meeting, and maybe one's a little bit frustrating or draining. I'll just leave a minute, and people see me all the time do the car park walk, and I do a car park walk, which is, God, I just need to throw off what just happened in that meeting. I need the peace that walks me into the next meeting. Just be with me. I'll go through my day, and before I I go into my house nearly every day, I do an extra couple, couple laps around the block. Uh, and I do it because I go, God, I'm about to walk in the house and I don't need to put on the weight of this day onto my children. I don't need to carry the frustration of sometimes what happens during my work day onto my wife. So I just pray you lift the weight off me right now and I pray you grace me to be able to be present in this moment. Help us to have joy and laughter around the dinner table. Like, literally, this is my prayer. Uh, before bed, God, I thank you for the day. I pray that you give me good rest, good sleep and help me to I'm praying ongoingly, continuously. None of it is extremely always long. There's extended times that I intentionally choose, but my prayer is short and simple, and it's never ceasing. Is this okay today? 
So now to all of that to get to this third point, which is what I wanna focus on to help you to have more effective prayer because what do you pray about when you're abiding and waiting in the seasons of sometimes wanting and needing because Jesus says you have fruit and then he cuts us back. He literally says cut back in that scripture, but he never says cut off. What's he saying? He's saying, I'll prune you, but I've not let go of you. You're still connected to me. The life source of who I am is now flowing into you. So there's dreams and visions that I've put in your heart in your spirit, but wait, abide, quaval, that means get on the edge of your toes because hope's going to appear, but it's in that time of waiting before you see the more fruit, much fruit, never lasting fruit, we have an opportunity to pray. What do we pray for? I think effective prayers are a prayer for others. Today, I wanna talk to you about the most effective prayers you can pray is when we get past just praying for ourselves and put the attention of our prayers for others. Amen? Now, this is called intercession. Now, many think an intercessor is someone that can pray for a really long time. But um, I believe God's called all of us to be intercessors, to pray for others. But it doesn't mean you have to have the ability to pray for an extremely long time. There are two types of people. There are get to the point person and there is a beat around the bush person. Who's a get to the point person? I'm a get to the point person. I'm fix it, do it, let's go. Who's a beat around the bush person? Who doesn't know who they are? If you don't know who you are, you're a beat around the bush person. That's what I found. And, and, and I always thought I could never be someone that intercedes and prays for others because I'm not someone that's good at doing anything for a long time. I get distracted easily. I'm looking at other things. I'm always going. But intercession is simply this, and this is the most effective way to have a more powerful prayer life, which is the very thing when you abide that allows you to see the more, the much, and the lasting. Come on, who wants a healing in this place? Who needs a breakthrough? Who needs a job in this place? We're gonna pray, we're gonna pray for you afterwards. Who needs peace in their mind, in their, in their sleep, in their rest? Who's sick of waking up at night anxious? Uh, who needs a breakthrough for their kids, believing that your kids are gonna come back to God? Uh, uh, you know what? When we have needs, if you wanna see breakthrough in your life, shift the attention of praying for your own needs and start to pray for others. See, intercession is the most powerful prayer because it is being aware of the need of someone else and intervening on their behalf, praying on their behalf, believing on their behalf, being aware of their need and taking it to the one with the answer. If you wanna have a more effective prayer life, it's time to pray more for others. Intercession is interceding for someone else. My wife asked me to do this for our dog recently and... Uh, We've, Mark and Nina love their dog, and uh, I hate mine. Uh, I, it was a mistake about five years ago. We went, do we, have an, an, do we have another kid? Do we get a dog? And we thought, we'll get a dog. We should have had a kid. It would have been easier. I got a Beagleia. It's a Beagle and a Cavalier, and it is a both incredibly affectionate and incredibly naughty. Uh, I mean, this dog's, this dog's, well, it's peed everywhere and, and left squish, squishy deposits everywhere. And, and, and more than once has literally pulled up all of the carpet in the room when we've been at work. And my wife is so, such a good heart. She lets the dog sleep on the bed. And, and I cannot tell you how many times I've laid hands on that dog and prayed it go to be with the Lord. And, uh, and you think I'm joking. I'm, it's real. It's real. Life would be better. And so last year, Shans rang me and she said, Josh, there's a problem with Buddy. She said, I was taking my dog's Buddy and he's not my Buddy. And it's, it's ironic. Uh, 
and, and she said, I was, she was walking the dog and, and Buddy got stung on the nose by a bee and, and he, he vomited three times, pooped and collapsed. And, uh, and she said, we've got to do something. And I said, one second. And I started to pray, Lord, into his, your hands I commit his spirit. <laughs> uh, I, like, I'm like, this is the moment he goes to the big kennel in the sky and this can be my testimony. And, uh, uh, and she's like, well, I'm going to take him to the vet. I'm like, good, good, take him to the vet. So she got him in the car and took him to the vet, but the vet was closed. And they were closing. The lady said, you've got to take him to the animal hospital. And so I get home and she's like, Josh, you've got to take him to the animal hospital, which only means one thing. It's so flipping expensive. You walk in, put your kidney on the counter. That's how you pay. And so she's like, you've got to take him to the animal hospital. So I take my dog buddy, who's not my buddy, to the animal hospital. And I go in and the veterinarian nurse is there. And, and so on the way, I said to Shans, Shans, what's the number? She said, what do you mean, what's the number? And I said, well, you know, h- how much are we willing to pay before we, you know, up there? And she's like, we can't put a number on our children. I said, he's not a child. So she couldn't say what it was. So I said it was 500 bucks. And uh, so, oh, judges. And so, so. I um, So we get in there and I go to the nurse and I say, he's been stung. And I said, do we think yeah, his time's done? And she's like, what do you mean? I said, and she's like, Mr. Greenwood, he's been just stung by a bee. I said, it could have been a killer wasp. And she's like, we'll just take him in and give him some needles. So she takes the dog out the back, gives him some needles, brings him out and says, this will be $480. I, I vomited three times, pooped and collapsed. Uh, <laughs> but my wife asked me to intercede on behalf of the dog. And she said, I owed her because she interceded on my behalf. Because 18 years ago, I was desperate and single on the way to nowhere. I was actually about to go to Europe and watch the World Cup in Germany with my friend. And she interjected and, and stopped what would have been a horrible adventure. Anyway, but I'm happy, things are good. Uh, but my wife, she, I was on the one road and she came and she interjected, she interceded, she made a way to give me a better life. This is what intercession is, is when it's like an intersection. Everyone knows what an intersection is, right? When you're driving down a road and all of a sudden you come to an intersection with another road, you have an opportunity that although I was heading in that direction because of an intersection or in this conversation because of an intercession, all of a sudden I have an opportunity to go down a completely different road. You see, you were sick in body, but someone came and said, I've got faith for your miracle. And because they came and interceded for you, it created an intersection that while you were heading that way, all of a sudden God intervened and now they're heading that way. This is what happens when we pray for one another and we're going to do at the end of this meeting. You might be here and you might not have slept in ages and you might not have the answer and you're heading home knowing that tonight's going to be another night of anxiousness, another night of confusion 
vision, another night of poor dreams and bad sleep. But I believe someone here can intercede. It can be an intersection where all of a sudden through their faith, God can do a miracle and you can go home a completely different person. This is the power when it says how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's like oil poured on the head. Sometimes we're coming to church and we're hoping for our anointing. Sometimes we're waking up during the day and saying, God, anoint me. And I believe you can pray those prayers. But can I tell you one surefire way to see the anointing and breakthrough power of God in your life? It's to believe for the breakthrough power of God on someone else's life. Isn't this what Jesus did for us? That I was going down one road. I didn't have the strength to save myself. I didn't have the discipline to turn my life around. I knew I'd got it so wrong that I was a sinner. I'd fallen short. I was destined for hell. But Jesus came and interceded for me. And although I was on this path, He created an intersection that if I would just simply believe all of a sudden, I now have a new destination. I have a new future. I have a new hope hope that I was heading towards a chasm but all of a sudden he came and he interceded he created an intersection he created a bridge that took me over my chasm and now allows my feet to stand on solid ground Jesus interceded for you so now you have the chance to intercede for others amen it's what Isaiah 53 says it says for he bore the sin of many read this with me and made Jesus made intercession. When you see the need of others and you intervene and bring it to the one that has the answer. See, not only did Jesus intercede for you, I wanna show you what God is doing right now. So here's a question. Does, does, does Jesus pray? Does the Holy Spirit pray? Yes, He does. I wanna show you He prays for others. And while God doesn't need to pray because He is God, in fact, He does, and He does so for us. Are you doing okay? Let me show you what the Holy Spirit is doing right now. Put it on the screen if we can. It's found in, in Romans 8, 26 to 27. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Lift your hand if you've got a weakness here today. That's all of us. So the Holy Spirit's there to help you in your weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Oh, thank God. Come on, lift your hands if sometimes you don't know what to pray for. Totally. It's okay, because the Holy Spirit is doing this for you. He, he, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself, say it with me, intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit, read it with me, intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. What the Holy Spirit is doing right now is He is interceding on your behalf. He sees your need. He sees God's will. He knows what He has for your life. And He takes your need and your requests, and He takes them to the place that you cannot go, the throne room of God and he there presents them to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is praying and interceding for you. Isn't that good? When you feel like you're alone, the Holy Spirit's interceding for you. When you feel no one knows the pain you're going through, the Holy Spirit's interceding for you. When you feel there's nowhere to turn, the Holy Spirit's interceding for you. So what is Jesus doing? Well, let's look at this. Romans 8:34 now. It says this, Jesus Christ who died 
more than that, who was raised to life, which means if he can be risen from the dead, he can overcome any obstacle that you face, right? He is at, read it with me, the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So the Holy Spirit sees what you're needing and He takes it in accordance with the will of God and it says He takes it to the throne room of God and there Jesus is on the right hand side of the Father and Jesus takes your needs and He intercedes on your behalf to the Father. Now when you feel you're alone and you've got no hope, not only is the Holy Spirit interceding for you, Jesus is interceding for you also. Hebrews 7 says it this way, Therefore, He, Jesus, is able once and forever to save those who come to God through Him. Watch this. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. So watch this. The most powerful prayers you can pray align with the same prayers that the Holy Spirit and Jesus is praying. Like on the... All weekend, uh, me and Jason's been driving together and we both love NBA and we both love the same team. So can I tell you, the ease of conversation when you're both talking about the same thing in the same direction, that creates a unity and a blessing. If you wanna have a unity and a blessing in your prayer life with the Holy Spirit and Jesus, you pray in the exact same line, in the exact same direction that they are praying, they are always praying for others. You see, if Jesus and the Holy Spirit is praying for others, what we need to do is pray for others too. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He helps you to carry your burden, but therefore by His nature, the Holy Spirit requires you to carry other people's burdens also. Because the Holy Spirit is helping you carry yours, you can now partner with the work of the Holy Spirit in helping pray and carry the burden for other people. Let me ask this question. When was the last time we just stopped for five minutes just to pray for someone else? Just for five minutes. It seems so quick. But so often falls to the side amongst all of my personal requests that get thrown to God. When was the last time we just stopped, abided, remained? And prayed for others. So for us now, 1 Timothy 2 verse 1. He says, I urge. Everyone say urge. He says, I urge. Then first of all, everyone say first of all. That prayers, petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, not just for yourself, for all people. What it is, is your intercession is meant to be an intersection that changes the direction and the destination and the future of someone in your life. You see, we can intercede and build a bridge so that other people can walk into more fruit, much fruit and lasting fruit. And when you start to wonder, what does that mean for me? The Holy Spirit and others are praying for you that you can walk into more fruit, much fruit and everlasting fruit. Let me say it this way, maybe you're here and your child's away from God. You can be, even if your teenager doesn't listen to, to you, the Holy Spirit listens to you. And even if you don't know how to communicate and make a way through with them, you can be the bridge that helps them cross over. You can be someone that prays and says, God, I thank you that you saved me and that you're good. And I thank you, Jesus, that if you rose from the dead, you can 
overcome anything. And I thank you for my childhood and now I'm bringing them to you. So I'm asking you to protect his mind. I'm asking you to renew his spirit. I'm asking you to remove those friends. And all of a sudden, what you're doing is where you can't change them. You're interceding on behalf of them and you're making a different road for them that the Holy Spirit, not you, might lead them down. And sometimes we wanna take into our hands the things that we can't control and we don't give God the things He can control and we pray for ourselves instead of praying for others when the very nature of God is to intercede on our behalf so we can do the exact same for others also. This is why we can do it because Jesus did it for us. In fact, if we don't, if we don't pray this way, I wanna suggest we're possibly praying wrong. 1 Samuel 12, 23 says, As for me, be far, says, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. Come on, who wants more fruit? Who wants much fruit? Who wants everlasting fruit? Everyone say, abide. The key to your fruit is often found in the prayer for others. I remember, now this doesn't happen often, I remember 20 something years ago, I went to Papua New Guinea and I went with uh, my friends and uh, we went to this big crusade and for months before I went to this oval in Adelaide and I'd walk around this oval every night and I'd pray for these two things. God, I pray that I pray for someone who has, is deaf and that they hear and I pray that someone that's in a wheelchair would walk out of a wheelchair. And it's just like the innocent pure prayer of a, of a young 20-year-old that wanted to see God move and went to this crusade and, and I prayed for someone that was deaf and uh, prayed, for, prayed for him and instantly one of their ears opened and, and God's so good and, and, you know, but then felt to keep praying for the other ear and it took a little bit longer, but thank God his ears both opened and, and he heard and I, I was so filled with faith and, but I'd been praying for someone to step out of a wheelchair and, and, and I remember this last night, there's a man that came to the front in a, in a wheelchair and, and there's people everywhere and there's people watching and, and I remember going up and praying for this man, but I was pretty nervous, right? Like, because I thought, what if this doesn't happen? And what if, it, what if God doesn't come through? And I started to take the attention of God and take the attention of that man and put the attention on myself. And I started to wonder, how will I feel if there isn't a miracle? Can I tell you, when you pray for others and you pause, because if it does, they don't get the healing, you feel like your prayers won't affect you. You gotta ask yourself, if they get healed, do you get the glory or does God get the glory? God gets the glory. So if they don't walk out of that chair, do you get the blame. No, but you've got to have faith and and belief that God's going to get the glory so you don't walk in fear that you get the blame if they don't walk out. You just keep on praying. And, and so I remember walking up to this guy and I, I laid hands on him and I said, Jesus, heal him. Let him walk out of this wheelchair. And then I turned away and walked away. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, is that it? I was like, no, just practicing. And uh, and so I suddenly, I just remembered all of the prayers I've been praying for this person that I never even met. Day after day, day after day, fast after fast, prayer after prayer, lap after lap around this oval. And all of a sudden, I just thought, I'm taking the attention off me. I'm taking the attention off everyone else. And I'm gonna intercede on this man's behalf. Went and laid hands on him, called him out in the name of Jesus, grabbed him by the hand, pulled him out of the wheelchair. And all of a sudden, this guy goes running all the 
way up and down the front of that place. Can I tell you, it changed something in me forever because I realised the moment I put the attention on me and the moment I put the attention on what couldn't be, I pray faithless small prayers. But the moment I fix my attention on them and I realise my intercession can become an intersection where suddenly something can change, something on the inside of you changes and miracles begin to happen. But the problem is, you might be here and saying, that's well and good, Josh. You want me to pray for other people's needs, but what about my needs? What about my healing? What about my breakthrough? I think the reason we think that is because we don't realise where we sit. Are you doing all right? It says this in Ephesians 2 verse 6. You've got to catch this. Because if you realise where you sit, it changes how you see yourself and therefore how you pray. Ephesians 2 verse 6. And God raised us up. God raised us up with Christ. And read this. Seated us with Him. We are seated with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So where are we? We are seated with Christ. Now let's go to Ephesians 1 verse 20. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe? According to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places. So watch this, keep it on. Where are we? We are seated with Christ. Where is Christ? He is seated in heavenly places and it goes on. Far above. Everyone say far above. He, where are we? We are seated with Christ. Where is Christ? In heavenly places. Where is heavenly places? Far above any principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Where are you? You are seated with Christ. Where is Christ seated? In heavenly places, far above any sickness, any disease, any anxiety, any depression, any lack, any fear, any weapon, any might, any power that comes against you. What is it saying? It is saying if you just realise that you are not where all of the problems are, but with Christ, you are seated far above. Everyone say far above. You are far above anything that can hurt you or take you out. So when you realise that you actually, because of Christ, are seated far above, you can be a blessing when you realise that you are already blessed. But we don't think we can be a blessing because we don't realise how blessed we are. And you can be a blessing to others in prayer when you realise you are already living as a ruler with Christ. You see, this is what the devil does. He comes and lies to you. He makes you feel like you are drowning when you are already above. He makes you feel like you've been given the back hand when you are the head and not the tail. He makes you feel like all of your problems are closing in on you when you are actually seated far above with Christ, far above any power or principality that can come with you. You are seated with Christ. Yet we get stuck praying for a car park. It's true. And hey, you can pray for all things. But if we are seated in heavenly places with Him and we're just praying for, give me traffic lights so I'm not late for work today. 
we actually miss out on the power of prayer that God has given to you. Even when we spend all of our time now, we can bring anything to Him. So please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But even when we're just praying for our healing and our protection, we forget where we're seated and we put all the attention back to us. You see, we're called to change our vision from us to others. Maybe just the keys can come. Psalm 23 is the example of this. We start off as sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He lays me beside green pastures and cool waters. You see, the story is in three parts and we start as sheep where we're just so thankful for green pastures and cool waters. We start just so thankful that we've got Jesus. So thankful that He would be the intersection that would change the road that I was on and take me to a completely different destination. But then we go into the next part of the story, which the shepherd leads you down, which is the valley of the shadow of death. And what happens when you go through sickness and trauma and lack and pain and whatever it is that you go through, all of a sudden you take your eyes off the good shepherd and you put your eyes on yourself. And you start to pray for yourself, God, how do I get through this? How do I get through this season? God, I need your help to walk through this day. God, I need your protection. But the reason the good shepherd takes you through the valley of the shadow of death is to show you what he has already overcome. See, there is nothing in the valley you walk through that he hasn't already overcome. It's not there to intimidate you. It's there to fill you with confidence that he has overcome that sickness. He has overcome that lack. He has overcome that need and you are with him. So then he takes you in maturity in the third part of the story and prepares a table for you in the midst of your enemies. It's not like difficulty doesn't come your way, but he prepares a table in the middle of it all. You're the one at the table. You've gone from a scared sheep to a seated son. You've gone from a scared, immature follower to now someone that's seated with Christ in heavenly places. And yet while you are protected and far above, me too, all I end up doing is often praying for myself. When I'm already seated with Him, I'm already protected and provided for. And sure, my enemies are all around and sure, life circumstances surround me. But if I'm with Him, I'm okay. It's here when we're seated with Jesus. We actually have to learn to shift our focus to thanking Him for what I have, thanking Him for my healing before I've received it, thanking Him for my job before I've walked in it, thanking Him for my peace before I've known it. And then I can shift my focus to praying for others. 
Because when you realise that you are seated with Him, when you abide with Him, when He is the vine and you are the branches and everything that's good flows from Him to you, you don't have to worry about what comes tomorrow. This is what Jesus said. Why do you worry about tomorrow? Do you, the flowers and the, the lilies in the valley worry or the sparrows worry about what they fed? Nobody goes on to say pray. Pray about everything. Pray about anything. Always pray. And the focus of our prayers is never just to pray for us, although we can bring anything we need to Him. It's to shift our attention to begin to pray for others. See, if we wanna be a church that sees the miraculous, if we wanna see fruit, more fruit, much fruit and everlasting fruit, if you wanna see answers to your prayers, pray in the same direction, the Holy Spirit and Jesus prays and that's a prayer for others. It's intercession. See, we can pray for a job and we should. We should, but they will come and go. And you can pray, God, help me with my day. And we should, I do. But tomorrow you'll have another. And we can pray, God, help New South Wales win the origin, but they're not going to, are they? It's going to be Queensland, it's over. But a prayer for others lasts forever. A prayer for others has so much power because the Holy Spirit says, me too, I'm praying for that too. A prayer for others gets the attention of heaven because you realise where you're seated. And when you realise where you're seated, you can't help that instead of ask for what you already have been given in the heavenly realms because you're seated far above, you begin to thank Him for what's yours. Thank Him for what's coming. Thank Him for your kids' salvation. Thank Him for your healing. Thank Him for your breakthrough. And now I can begin to intercede for my brothers and sisters and how good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity. It's like oil, the anointing flows. See, maybe the church would see more miracles if we did what we're gonna do this week is get together and not pray for ourselves, but pray for others. Jesus in the upper room, what did He pray for? He prayed for His friends. Jesus on the cross. I mean, if there was one time you would pray for yourself, it would be on the cross. What did He pray for? The others that didn't know what they were doing. What is Jesus now praying for all time? For you. See, a prayer for others is not about how powerful you are. A prayer for others is not about how articulate your words are. A prayer for others makes God say, Let's bless them. And when you bless others, you yourself get blessed. When you pray for others, you can be sure that the Holy Spirit and Jesus is interceding on your behalf. When you love others, doesn't love come back to you? This is where it says it is better to give than receive. It's actually not just about money. It's not about money at all. It's about in all areas of life and it's included in your prayer that if you wanna see breakthrough and fruit, more fruit, much fruit and everlasting fruit, I've never seen someone have supernatural fruit that can't pray. But so often we can't pray because we're focusing on the wrong person. He's got you so you can have them. Struggling in your marriage? Pray for your partner. Has someone hurt you? That's real. Bless those who curse you. You need the healing? It's real. Shift the attention to start praying for someone else's healing too. 
Imagine if we were a church that when we had a need, our first response was to think, who else has a need that I can pray for? Imagine if we blessed others when we wanted a blessing. Imagine if we thanked God for others when we felt insecure. And imagine if we spoke well to God about the people that frustrated us. You think you'll miss out? Can I show you something? We'll go back to Romans. I'm gonna finish with this and the team can come. The team can come. Romans 8, 34. We read this before. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is, read it with me, at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So watch the next verse. When you realise that, watch this. It says this in verse 35. It says then, who shall separate us from the love of God? See, we want to pray that prayer and remind ourselves of that in isolation. But you can't remember who can separate me from the love of God without the part that says Jesus is interceding for you. So you think you're gonna miss out when you pray for others? No, Jesus is interceding for you. So what can separate you from the love of God? And then it goes on two verses later. Another verse we classically quote in isolation. It says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God that's in Jesus Christ my Lord. Why? Because He's interceding on my behalf. If He's praying for me. There is no weapon. There is no death. There is no sickness. There is no lack. There is no oppression that could separate you from the love of God. Therefore, you are more than a conqueror. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all power. And therefore, you can be thankful that you are the head and not the tail. You are a child of God. You have been saved and delivered. And in that place of thankfulness, you get to pray the most powerful of prayers, a prayer for someone else. Amen. Come on, stand for us.